Hello, listeners. We're Shedding Light, and I'm Candy. I'm Angela. And I'm Susie. And we're hell-bent on shedding light on unsolved missing persons cases across Canada. In an attempt to find the missing piece of the puzzle. What you are about to listen to is the culmination of countless hours of research. In an attempt to gather as many facts as possible about the case by reading news articles, online blogs and forums, and by interviewing friends, family, and people involved in the case. We will discuss different theories and possibilities and pick them apart in order to evaluate their likelihood. Or better yet, eliminate them. We weren't there. We don't claim to know what happened. We can only try to paint a picture using the resources that we do have. We don't claim anything to be fact that isn't. We don't claim our interviewees' words to be fact. It's their memory. It's their recollection. It's their truth. And it's their opinion. And everybody's entitled to one. That does not mean we necessarily share any of these opinions. And listeners, please remember, everyone, including the suspects, is presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Please bear that in mind as we welcome you to Season 6, Episode 2. Christina, are you out there? Produced in partnership with Please Bring Me Home and sponsored by Bruce Power. Bruce Power is a Canadian-owned partnership of TC Energy, Ontario Municipal Employees Retirement Systems, the Power Workers Union, and the Society of Professionals. Established in 2001, Bruce Power is Canada's only private sector nuclear generator, annually producing 30% of Ontario's power at 30% less than the average cost to generate residential power. Just a heads up that there is some foul language and adult content in here. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, listeners. If you haven't listened to episode one of this case, we suggest you go back and have a listen. We introduced the 31-year-old cold case of Christina Rose, who disappeared without a trace after a fight with her boyfriend, Jack, on October 18, 1991 from Hanover, a small southwestern Ontario town. The couple both had rough pasts, which consisted of foster care as well as being homeless at times, but at the time of her disappearance, they had been living together in an apartment. Christina had given birth to baby Brittany just two months before she vanished. A constant point of contention between them was that Jack wanted to keep the baby while Christina thought she would have the opportunity for a better life with a foster or adoptive family. They had hitchhiked to Southampton on the afternoon of October 18, 1991 and had a couple-hour visit with their former foster mother. After their fight that same evening in their apartment, Jack was arrested for assault on Christina and escorted to jail. According to his statement, Christina came to see him that night at the jail and was supposed to return on Monday, but she never showed up. He never saw her again. You know, it's really sad that this young girl was so excited for this baby, but yet at the same time, she was mature enough to know that she and Jack wouldn't be able to provide the best life for her. 
He had somewhat of an unlawful past, we'll say, and had been in jail for various offenses over the years. And she was probably terrified that he would be gone and she'd have to raise the baby on her own. With no job and no support, I seriously can completely understand why she made the decision that she did. In my opinion, she was being selfless and thinking only of her baby's welfare. Such a such a hard decision to make. And having, mm-hmm. you know, having experienced a loving and caring, trusting environment in her own foster care situation, she likely wanted the same for her daughter. Mm-hmm. The question that remains for over 31 years is what happened to Christina Rhodes? Of course, most people tend to believe that it is foul play versus she just ran off and has not contacted anyone after all these years. The letter that Brett Robinson came across certainly opened his mind to the possibility that she may have disappeared of her own free will and just didn't want to be found. And of course, the theory that her boyfriend did something to her had to be explored. There certainly could have been motive, but was there opportunity? With that piece of information from the detective, uh, I started to expand on really those two different areas. Could Christina have been picked up hitchhiking? Well, there was absolutely no information leading to something like that. And and that's a difficult thing to explore when you have, there's no evidence whatsoever for that. Um, So really I pursued two other avenues. One was that her boyfriend had done something to her and the other was that she had ran away. So in the first one, um, while the, the boyfriend is not completely ruled out, I will say that he's been very helpful. He obtained his arrest record for us. Sorry, his incarceration record. We are still pursuing his arrest record. Those are different. But the last sighting of Christina was with him on October 18th. Now, at some point between October 18th and October 20th, he was arrested for assault on her and was incarcerated. And we believe he was incarcerated from October 20th onwards into May or June of the following year. So obviously, if Christina was assaulted by him, she was alive when she was assaulted. And if he was incarcerated immediately after that, uh, it would be difficult to to believe that he would have done something uh, or he had the opportunity to do something to her. Uh, He's been completely forthcoming with everything. And he's been very helpful in supplying whatever uh, evidence he has even when that evidence does not make him look very good. So that's not a sign that that's not an indicator that he's, he has nothing to do with it. But at the same time, we are, uh, you know, he, he, I've said, I, I think it's important to say he has been very helpful. He has provided key evidence to us. And he did not, but he does not believe that the, um, the, the letter from the detective was actually that, that the detective had actually seen Christina. So um, the belief was that the detective heard from some of her friends that she had seen, you know, that she had been seen and then just took that and ran with it and closed the case. Uh, What I'll say is that their foster mother, both of them had the same foster mother at different points. Uh, She has been very helpful in that she's a lovely woman who has incredibly detailed journals. She kept incredibly, and and that's a daily journal. Like, this is what I did today, which, you know, in in our line of work is an absolute goldmine and very rare, very, very rare to have somebody who is keeping uh, such detailed notes. Now, in those notes, what I did find was a number of people had told her, the foster mother, that, oh, I think Christina went here. Christina was seen with this person, with that person. 
I called up all of those people and they don't remember at this point. All of those people were very quick to defend the, um, the boyfriend. They don't believe he had anything to do with anything with Christina, but they were also very quick to, to say that they touch, you know, they don't remember any of these statements that they made to the foster mother. So I thought that was really interesting. It's definitely not a smoking gun. But if a friend ran away and didn't want anyone to know where she went, you may have a lot of confidants not willing to give up her whereabouts. But after so many years with so many people suspecting foul play, you would think that someone would slip up and give it up. Mm-hmm. And no, yeah, and no one would ever have anticipated that her daughter would one day go on a crusade to find her. Such an emotionally powerful story. Alana spent much time communicating with Brett and even joined him on a visit to Wendy's. I I didn't really know her as a baby, but I have met her and she's she's very, very nice. And I know she would love to know more about her mother, you know, her mother, but uh, I did have her over uh, with Brett. I did have them over, and I showed her where her... I mean, things have changed a bit, you know, 31 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I showed her, you know, Chris's bedroom and stuff where they used to be. It's also interesting to note that a number of potential sightings years later turned out to be Alana, as she and Christina look so much alike. So back to the detective's letter, that in combination with so many stating that they had seen her or she had been with this person or that person led Brett to seriously consider the possibility that she may have run away. So what are your thoughts on this, girls? I mean, initially, when speaking with her foster mom, I just couldn't imagine Christina running off and never contacting her loved ones again. She and Wendy were so close. And she'd know that this would be so upsetting for her if she just disappeared and never heard from her again. My first thoughts that were maybe she got picked up while she was hitchhiking or, I don't know, someone abducted her. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not far-fetched to think that could happen. After all, Lois Hanna, Lisa Mays, we did uh, seasons on both those young women. They both disappeared in 1988, two weeks apart. And that was within a 60-kilometer radius of Hanover. So Wendy even mentioned that Paul Bernardo came to her mind, like he does to so many others. Um, But, you know, with his Mm -hmm. crime spanning from the mid-80s to, I believe it was the early 90s, I suppose anything's possible. Who knows if it was even looked into, right? It's so long ago. You know, I just wonder if she planned to run away. Like, did she really plan to run away? Which, you know, that would have entailed hitchhiking. Then she maybe got picked up and abducted by her, you know, the person Mm -hmm. who picked her up. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, with zero evidence to support this theory, we can't confirm it nor dismiss it, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. I was leaning more towards foul play too. But after hearing the content of the letters between Jack and his family, I started to think that maybe she could have run away and just remained successful in not being found. None of the family members seemed to consider foul play at all, but rather suggested she took off somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like you say, Susie, 
we don't even know if Paul Bernardo was looked into. Well, I don't think anything was looked into. That's right. And that's the really tough part now, so many years later. We can all surmise, you know, like I said, my initial thoughts were maybe she did plan to run away. Maybe she Mm -hmm. was scared and she's giving up the baby and he's upset and didn't want to hear it from anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe she didn't plan to never, never contact anybody again. Maybe the, her initial plans were just to run away for a bit, but then maybe something did happen to her on route. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So who knows? You know, I mentioned to them that all the correspondence I read between um, the boyfriend and his family was all indicative of her running away. Every every bit of it was that. And like, oh, I wonder when she's going to show up, uh, what's wrong with her, because they were going through dealing with the adoption. Uh, You know, uh, the boyfriend wanted to stop the process of, of the adoption of his biological daughter. Um, and, and Christina, of course, wasn't showing up to court at court dates and things like that. But all of their correspondence really was that at that time, they believed that she had ran away. Apparently, she also kept in touch with her birth father, Dean Rhodes, before her disappearance. And Jack even suggested that she may have gone there. As soon as he was released from jail, Jack's first move was to go to Barrie, Ontario, to Dean Rhodes' place to look for Christina. When he finally got out of jail, which was approximately eight months from the time he was incarcerated, uh, his first move was to go to Barrie, where her biological father, a man named Dean Rhodes, resided. And I asked him, why, why did you do that? He goes, well, I, I, I assumed he, that's where she was. I'm like, why? So why would you think that? Oh, because she always took off to go live with Dean, and I was never allowed to go. And I, I thought, well, isn't that the first place everybody should look? Re- really? Um, you know, what's interesting is then circling back to the foster mother, when I spoke with her about um, the possibility that Christina ran away, at first, that you know, that's a difficult thing uh, to think about. And she's like, well, I just don't really see how that would happen. And I said, well, do you have pictures of Christina? And she's no, they were all taken. I'm like, when were they taken? When, right after, when Christine disappeared, when the police came to get a picture of her, I had none. And I thought that was really strange because I had lots of pictures of her. But it's kind of funny because um, I I have like a whole bag of pictures of the foster kids we've had. And and we've had a lot. And I know we took some pictures of Chris. I know that. And yet none of them are there. Why Chris would take them is beyond me. But like I said, she didn't live with us when she went missing. So could she have been planning to take off and disappear for a period of time long enough that she had the opportunity to take all the pictures of herself from Wendy's home? I guess she would do that if you didn't ever want anyone to give those pictures to the police. Like, why else would you do that? Mementos. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It seems weird that you take them all. Mm-hmm. And I know at that age, like, you know, with the cameras that we had that we, I know personally, we all took tons of pictures while we were partying. And I imagine our friends would have some current photos at that time. So the effort to remove them from Wendy's would have been kind of futile, would it not? If someone else had pictures of her? I don't know. It just seems really odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely strange. That's for sure. So getting back to her birth father, though, for a minute. 
The frequency of her visits to Barry must have been enough for Jack to believe she may have gone there, as his first inclination was to go to her dad's. Jack said he staked out their home for over three hours, but there was no sign of Christina. He was playing detective himself, it sounds like. Angela used to do that. (laughs) If she felt this was a safe place to go and felt that Jack was going to be provoked by the adoption, I could see her running to this place for protection. Odd that she never mentioned her birth father to Wendy, though. Maybe she wanted to spare feelings if she thought it would upset her. Any family members that Brett has interviewed have never stated that the birth father reached out to them to ask her whereabouts, which is strange. But again, does not mean he knows anything. So it is interesting that um, nobody ever heard from Dean Rhodes regarding Christina Rhodes. To the best of my knowledge, he never spoke with any family members or anything like that. Now, that doesn't mean maybe he did speak with family members. I'm not sure. But anyone I've interviewed or spoken with, he never reached out to any of them that I'm aware of uh, regarding Christina, which, of course, is kind of interesting. If you had had some sort of relationship with her and she suddenly disappeared, wouldn't you want to know where she went or ask, hey, where, where did she go? It doesn't necessarily mean she ran and lived with him and then took off from there or something like that. But that's why we want to find him. We want to ask him. We want to talk to him about that, right? Um, and uh, we're, we think that's the, um, the, the best path to follow at this yeah. particular time. Yeah. Many of you are probably wondering about her biological mother. I, I wondered that too. In all of our chats, nobody really brought her up or had much to say about her. And as Wendy stated, she never met her or knew anything about her. I believe that as a foster parent, you're not supposed to really know any of their background and why they've come to you. So her knowledge was limited. But the police even suggested to please bring me home not to contact her. But of course, they tried anyways. But they were not successful in in any of their attempts to speak with her. And I find that really, really sad. I just... It sure is. Mm-hmm. After discovering the pictures went missing, Brett gently suggested to Wendy the possibility that Christina ran off and asked if there was anything else strange that she could recall happening around that time. The foster mother indicated that you know, a strange incident happened like within a year or two later where she was she went to the um, the Southampton Hospital. And she, so she went, she went for, um, uh, I don't think it was a, a scheduled procedure. I think she went to the emergency room and on checking out, the nurse said, well, that's pretty strange. You checked out earlier this morning. And she's like, what are you talking about? I just got here like an hour ago. And so the thought was maybe someone was using her health card number. Now that doesn't mean Christina ran away and was using her health card number, but you know, a lot of things like that started to point me in, in that, you know, pointing me in that type of direction. Throughout Brett's interview with Wendy, he also uncovered a couple of very interesting facts. Apparently, Wendy's neighbor had told her that he had seen Christina in Owen Sound after she had disappeared. And unfortunately, it is believed that this gentleman has since passed away. Wendy also thought it was odd that she could not find her social insurance card after Christina disappeared. I mean, I, well, we all have misplaced things, and it certainly doesn't mean that Christina took it. But when you start looking at all these facts and all the strange occurrences together, 
it does really make you consider whether she did run away. Mm-hmm. So when I explained to the family members and people who knew, knew her, I'm like, I know you think she might have been picked up hitchhiking and, and met with some foul play. I said, I understand that, but I mean, really, we have a letter from a detective stating she's been cited. We have numerous friends reported saying they know that she's been cited. We have all the pictures in the, in the foster mother's house disappearing. We have the social insurance card of the foster mother disappearing. We have potentially that um, someone was using a health card number that might uh, have, you know, might have been Christina. We don't actually know that, but it might have been. So a lot of circumstantial evidence uh, pointing towards Christina running away. So that's where we pointed our investigation. So over time, there were a couple of other peculiar incidents that make you go, hmm. The first was a strange phone call that Wendy received that could have been perceived as a ransom attempt. Jack's foster mother, Kim, retells the story as she heard it. So something else that had been brought up, and I believe it was Wendy that said she had gotten a call that a guy called and said that Chris was with him and they were in Florida and she wanted money to come back. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah. Well, it just it seemed funny to me that um, this was brought up, that she had gotten a call and that Chris couldn't come to the phone because she was crying. And I'm thinking, okay, so somehow somebody got, and like I said, I believe it was Wendy who got the call. Somebody knew Wendy's number, right? Because... It's not like now where we can go on the internet and you can find just about anything about anybody on the internet, right? Like, and if you're in Florida, like how did they get that number? It sure is bizarre, isn't it? There were no media reports about her missing, so how would anyone know her, especially in Florida? So many questions. How would she have gotten there if she were in fact with him? And how would this person have gotten Wendy's number without speaking with Christina? Was it actually confirmed that it was a Florida number? Did she get abducted? Or was this her way of getting some money? Kim does not believe that Christina was actually with this man in Florida. I don't know what to think about that one. I don't either. But Susie, so so Brett has confirmed that this from Wendy herself. Came from Wendy, yes. Yeah, yeah. so. Strange phone call. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, Jack experienced an equally curious event that actually made my hair stand on end. There was an incident where he was at the Owen Sound Hospital with his girlfriend at the time. This is many years later. And a Christina Collins was announced by the triage nurse. And he was too scared to go see if it was her. And the, the girl, the girlfriend, uh, he said, go over and see who it is and ask if it's Christina Rowe Collins. And uh, she had like a minor interaction with the woman who said, no, no, that's not me or whatever, but thought it, it might have fit the physical description of her. Again, what, what do you think? Like, Brett doesn't think it's likely that she would remain in the area and fly under the radar all this time. But strangely enough, throughout his investigation, it was revealed that she, in fact, used many different variations of her names. So 
Christina, Collins, Christina, Rhodes, Christina, Tamara, Collins, Rhodes. So just, yeah. Yep. Her income tax record showed that she was a student. Um, I believe she had odd jobs here and there, but nothing that was maybe an official job. Um, So what was also interesting is uh, different papers I have, and these are government papers, have different names and last names on them. So it's always some combination of Christina, Tamara or Tamara, Collins and Rhodes. It's it's okay. it's like I'm like, but these are government papers. How could they have mm-hmm. different names? Like I only have one name. Like how could that be possible mm-hmm. to have so many documents, like legal documents, government documents with so many different names? It appears that Christina was pretty crafty in this sense and may have easily morphed into a new identity in an effort not to be found. And this became the focus of Please Bring Me Home's investigation. So that's where we pointed our investigation. We've done a number of uh, media hits. And um, each time we do, we get a number of people emailing in, calling in and asking uh, or letting us know that they think this person or that person is Christina, which we've been running down those leads on a regular basis. And we're not complete yet, actually. There's been a number of them. So the work that Shedding Light podcast does, as well as the work that the media does, is critical to what um, to how we conduct our investigations. Police will regularly cite the fact that 90, 98 to 99% of cases that are solved, like I think it's after the first year, are due to someone calling in. <laughs> and that's it's due to a tip. And that's, that's no different for, for us as well. Please Bring Me Home is currently investigating some of these leads. And we just want to remind the public that she has done nothing wrong or illegal. Please Bring Me Home just wants to speak with her. Her family wants to speak with her. We actually want to speak with her. That's all. If she has chosen to run away and cut off communication, then it is completely her right to do so. We just want to make sure she's okay. If you happen to be listening, Christina, please know your anonymity would be guaranteed. Uh, Anonymity would be guaranteed by Please Bring Me Home. We would not be revealing her location to anyone she doesn't want us to reveal her location to, whether her family, uh, friends, people who know, who knew her at the time. Um, It's her right to privacy is, is important, which is why Uh, All of our leads that we've been running down, the family is aware that we are running them down, but has no clue where those leads are. And that's important. That's, uh, again, uh, she's not done anything wrong by leaving and no no problem whatsoever with that. So we just want to make sure that she's okay. We'd like to get her off the missing persons list and uh, not have uh, her, you know, uh, have a detective assigned to her or anything like that and, and move on from there. Brett credits Alana for doing a very good job pursuing her mother's whereabouts. She has always been available for any media events related to Please Bring Me Home and Christina. Unfortunately, at this time that we're recording, Alana is unable due to personal conflicts to have any participation. We hope that changes in the future. We hope to be able to bring you an update episode in the near future and truly hope that Alana will be part of it. After all, this is her story. Currently, there is no OPP reward, but it is believed to be in the process of being set up. Amazingly enough, though, a private citizen has come forward to offer $10,000 for information leading to Christina's whereabouts. Please bring me home with love, 
for Christina to call in herself. She could be the tipster and receive the money, and the case would be closed. That's not to say that they are not open to the possibility that something has happened to her along the way, but with no evidence of that, it's impossible to say. But we would need to have evidence of that. Uh, what we do know is, of course, that there is no obituary of a Christina Rhodes or a Christina Collins anywhere in Canada. We've checked every province and uh, we've we've uh, checked a number of drivers' records and things like that. So, yeah, we, we are at a, a dead end in the sense of the information uh, that can be gathered through um, through there. We, we have filed a number of Freedom of Information requests uh, regarding different uh, background information on her or uh, financial information, health information, and we have not located any or there were no records um, that existed. Um, we also, interesting uh, enough, we, we fired, we filed a freedom of information request for the Washington jail to obtain their um, visitor log. And unfortunately, it, like many things, does not exist anymore, which is very frustrating. Um, I, I commented to both them and to a, a number of detectives, like, it would probably be useful to know who showed up at a jail, not just for what we're trying to do, but I mean, the visitor's log at a jail is something that should probably stay in a vault or something because that could be very useful for a number of cases. So unfortunately, that, that information does not exist. So right now, their investigation will focus on continuing to speak with friends, family, and looking deeper into the foster mom's diary. To me, it would be like having a time machine taking you right back to that moment when Christina went missing. Remembering every detail of your day, that is really a good gem. They also feel confident that Jack is all but eliminated and are just waiting on his arrest record to eliminate him 100%. There is a small window of time between his arrest on the 18th of October and his incarceration on the 20th of October that needs to be verified in order to confirm that he was in jail when Christina went missing. Not one of his nor Christina's friends think he had anything to do with her disappearance, and nor did his foster mother. Even Wendy didn't believe he was capable of something so sinister. They still maintained a good relationship, and in fact, he had just called her the night before we called her to interview her. Whereas, you know, I just mentioned Jack being in jail, but uh, on a whole, you see, we had an extremely good relationship with with Jack, too. Oh, I just can't see him uh, being capable of something like that. I mean, we all have tempers. We all get angry, but I, I, I would hate to think that... Uh, uh, I don't think so. I, I I think she got picked up. That's what I think. Kim is certain of one thing, and that is that Jack would never have harmed Christina. But she honestly can't imagine what happened to her. And she still finds it hard to believe that Christina would choose to give up her baby. Chris wanted that baby very bad. She wanted the baby as badly as what Jack did. I was surprised when Jack told me that she had turned the baby over to Children's Aid. That really, it really surprised me. There are so many facts about this case that make it so intriguing and so emotional. Did a young, scared, confused young woman decide to run out of fear? Was she abducted? 
I cannot imagine the life she endured through her early years. And although she eventually had a loving foster home, she still continued a life of uncertainty, which must have really affected her. Wendy recalled that just two months after they took her in, she had her 16th birthday. But she did not... This... Sorry. She didn't receive one phone call. She spent most of the day in her room alone. This got to me when we spoke to Wendy. It's like so sad. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Oh, it just bothers me. Like when Wendy said it, it was so sad. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Can you imagine you're fucking 15 and you go to a house and your birthday's two months later and nobody calls you and you're in your fucking room? Like, how lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sad. Mm-hmm. I hope you're out there, Christina. And if you are, please know how many people love and care about you and want to be a part of your life. Please contact us. You know, I guess we'll never... I I just can't see her. I mean, I could be so wrong, but I, I thought I knew her so well, and I can't see her just, just, uh, you know. Well, I think I'll leave Wendy's and uh, and I'll vanish <laughs> with not even a, not even a piece of luggage with her. You know, just the shirt on her yeah. back and no money and nothing. Right. To me, to me, it doesn't make any sense. The what you said about her hitchhiking, getting picked up by some random person. Yeah. And maybe something happening makes much more sense to me. Because um, I can't imagine she'd be the type of person that would want to put, you know, you through that anguish and pain over the years, let alone her right. daughter. You know. Yeah. No. Um, but there's never, like it's been now, what, I think 31 years she's been gone and or been missing, and there's been nobody. I only wish I knew, even after all these years, uh, I think about her a lot. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> but like I said, after that day, uh, never heard from her again. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Christina Rhodes, Please Bring Me Home can be contacted via the email address pleasebringmehome at outlook.com or by calling their anonymous tip line at 226-702-2728. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support our endeavors, a five-star rating and or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts would be greatly appreciated. It really helps new listeners to find us. And we wouldn't ever turn down the offer of a coffee or maybe even a glass of wine. Helps tremendously to wet our whistle while recording. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Links to our coffee account, our Instagram and Facebook page can all be found in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. We couldn't do what we do without you. If she's out there, is there anything you'd like to say to her? Well, uh, yeah, I would. I would like to tell her that we still love her and we still have the same phone number at the college. And as always... This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Nolan Pantishan. 
We love you, Nolan. Love you, Nolan. Love you. The fog all around you Not believing it's real How can this happen?